<laughs> Welcome to Facing Fear with Sarah. My name is Sarah McInerney Hawk. I am your host. I went from 30 flirty and thriving to 30 flirty and surviving. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at age 30, and prior to that, I had faced a lot of fears in life, which led me to creating this podcast in 2019. Fast forward, here we are many years later, and I've interviewed over 100 different guests with many stories of how they face fear while remaining unapologetically authentic. That is what we are here to do, encourage you to live your life unapologetically and authentically. The Facing Fear world recently got a little bit bigger because a new part of it is in the world, and that's my book, my very first book. It's called Does Carcinoma Mean Cancer? It covers the four days between being tested for cancer and finding out that I had it, and the funny things that happened in between. Well, you know, funny, happy, sad, etc. It can be found anywhere on Amazon, and it's a graphic memoir, which means it is 70% art, 30% text, and it's 74 pages long. So it's something you could read in one sitting, revisit multiple times because the art has a lot of dual meanings and I'm so proud of it. Go check it out on Amazon or facingfearwithsarah.com backslash book. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Facing Fear podcast where I, your host, Sarah McInerney Hawk, interview individuals who have faced fear in their pursuit of living unapologetically authentic lives. I am so glad you're here because we are in the middle of a celebration. Last week, this podcast hit 10,000 total listens. So this is the final installment of my 10,000 listens episode re-air celebration. So in case you missed the last few episodes, first of all, go back and check those out, especially the one from October 26, where I shared more about the 10,000 journey and why I decided to re-air four episodes. I chose to do listener favorites that pulled in the most listens and also happened to be some of my personal favorites as well. Today's final installment is Season 2, Episode 10, which was in celebration of International Women's Day back in March. Remember March? Oh my god, that was like three years ago. Um, Where I had four guests from my Finish Line family. If you're new here, hi, hello. Backstory, I work full-time at Finish Line's headquarters on the far east side of Indianapolis. So back in March, I had this grand idea of interviewing eight of the most awesome women I know from the company to share more about their lives and how they've faced fear. Let me give a little caveat here and say that it was extremely hard not to choose 20 women because I am super lucky to be in a place of employment where I am surrounded by many, many amazing women. This episode is re-airing today. It's part of a two-part series, and so this is part one. So you can go back to March and check out part two when you're finished here to hear, when you're finished here to hear, so many hears, to listen to the other four women I interviewed. This is another episode that is very special to me because it was the first time I had the idea to bring on more than one guest on the show. It was quite the editing challenge, but I'm so proud I was up for it, and it just I just tried something new. 
This episode includes Kim Wen, Barb Racinger, Kamika Barnes, and Alyssa Smith, all leaders at Finish Line who allow us to peek into their careers, their success, their failures, personal lives, and of course, fears faced. Check it out and enjoy. Thank you again so much for being a part of this 10,000 listens journey. And I will see you on Monday with a brand new episode. Kim kicks us off. Kim is Finish Line's resident social media guru. She has put in the hours from long shifts on the sales floor to the 24-7 life that is her current role, senior brand strategist. She and I talk about gaining confidence in your role no matter who you're surrounded by, finding and appreciating man ambassadors, that's male ambassadors, and she talks about a vulnerable subject around this quote, judge me by my body of work, not my body. Oh, and of course, she and I bond over not apologizing because girl, it's 2020. Quit apologizing, take up space and own it. Here's Kim. My name is Kim, and I am a 29-year-old sneaker style enthusiast. Um, I've always had a passion for social media ever since the internet, like dial-up, first hit the Wynn household. And in first grade, my teacher described me with something that would live for the rest of my life. It's that I was a social butterfly. And ever since then, I've been obsessed with social media and all things related. I grew up in the far east side of Indy, a little bit scary for others, but I always try to look at myself as a diamond in the rough. Coming from the rough east side gave me a very uh, deep chip on my shoulder that I carry to this day. Um, I actually grew up about a mile away from the finish line office, which is kind of fun to think about how, you know, my parents used to drive me to finish line in Washington Square Mall. We'd cross the finish line HQ and I really wouldn't think anything of it, but finish line has definitely played a, a big role in my life. Um, I went to Lawrence Township Schools, Lawrence North High School, and graduated from Ball State in 2013. Chirp, Um, chirp. Chirp, chirp. (laughs) With a degree in exercise science and kinesiology. And you've been at Finish Line for how long now? Six and a half years. Six and a half years. And I spent two at the store. So, rewind, it's 2013. I'm a wellness coach and personal trainer at the YMCA. I shop a lot. (laughs) I still shop a lot. I try not to shop so much. But I was always into sneakers. I've always been a Winter Circle member. My family, like I said, we always shopped at Finish Line. So I would take my clients to Finish Line with me to shop and get all like the latest shoes, get new apparel. That way they kind of look good, feel good, was ready for a good workout. And eventually my good friend Chris was like, hey, you should probably just work here. And then you can get <laughs> discount all the time. Then you don't have to text me when things come in. Um, you know, it took a, a few weeks of him telling me that for me to actually like look into it. But uh, in 2013, not only was I a wellness coach, I was working as a part-time sales associate at Finish Line. Uh, So 12-hour days, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m., 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Dude, shout out to our field employees. We love you. We appreciate you. (laughs) Love and appreciate. Can't say I would love to go back, but (laughs) I'd love to visit. (laughs) And eventually, I was up for a promotion from part-time sales to assistant manager. In order to do that, I had to leave my days at the Y behind. It was probably one of the toughest decisions I've ever made. And Right, because your degree says exercise science. You've studied this for four years, and now you're going to go this different direction. Exactly. Highly scrutinized my family. I come from a very, very big family. Um, My dad's side is the majority that lives in Indy. So imagine like 10 aunts and uncles screaming at you for leaving what you were passionate about in college and are paying a lot of money in student loans for for a job in retail which I could have gotten straight out of high school. Wow. 
we work for such a big percentage of our lives, such a big percentage of our day. Like there's no need to be unhappy or feel like you're kind of, I don't know, stuck in a rut with your job. So, you know, now in retrospect, everyone's very excited. It's like, oh, you get to travel. You get these cool experiences. You're going to All-Star Weekend. All these big things. And I'm like, yeah, I told you. Just trust right. me. <laughs> I knew what I was doing when I did this. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, uh, sales associate from 2013. Uh, then I became an assistant manager and did visual merchandising. Then I became an MIT in 2015. And that was kind of short-lived because I got my opportunity here at the finish line home office as a brand content specialist in 2015. 2017 moved on to strategist and then 19 they put a senior in front of my title and I get to do fun things like building brand campaigns, managing social strategy, overseeing content across all of our channels. That could be anything from blog or managing imagery from our network of regional photographers. I would say rigorous, spontaneous, and extremely rewarding is how I would describe a life in social media professions. All this work that goes into what we just, you know, fly by on our phones or we see during a game, you are the face behind social media of one of the largest retailers in a male-dominated industry and consumer. So what's that experience been like for you as a female? I think one thing to notice, I'm not quite the face of it. I am the voice of it. People are reading my words. They don't right. know my face. Most people think I'm a guy. Just naturally off top, they DM like, yo, dog, what's up? Or, hey, homie. Or, you know, they always think I'm a guy, which I think is so funny because you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes of a social media page. So it's just me. And I'm like, hey, just little me sitting at my desk, like replying like, yo, what's up? Like, every job has highs and lows. Um, like I mentioned, highs would be that this is extremely rewarding. I get a lot of different opportunities. I get to meet talent, work with talent. We just don't stick in our own little bubble. We collaborate with so many departments within the company. Oh, social media is just our job. We're just on our phones. We are the ones responsible for the budget. We are the ones responsible for putting in all the numbers for every single thing that we do. So our brand team is insane. We wear a lot of hats. So I guess that leads me into a couple of the lows. Um, with social media, it's nonstop. When we go to sleep, the world carries on, things happen. Unfortunately, with like Kobe's death, like I was at the gym and I was just trying to have a great workout and you know, I had this heartbreaking news and how do we, you know, show our followers that we also want to honor him. We right. want to honor his memory and Gigi's memory and you know, with it being nonstop and that's not just like events like that, but even like games or like trades, like how do we participate in that? Is it worth a tweet? Is it worth based with everything that we see? is being digested whether it's for inspiration a little bit of of an exhausting thing which causes a work-life balance riff Mm -hmm. um sometimes it's hard to disconnect because it's hard to work ahead while we get these perks like unlimited pto which i think is incredible i can't really take advantage of it as much as i'd like just because of the way you know things work the way social media is the nature Mm -hmm. of business i guess I've listened to a podcast that Kim was on on a different one recently, and you talked about how sometimes when you would roll up to events, it's usually you and six other guys, and people have a misperception of you. How have you learned to stand your ground confidently, but also respectfully? Right. It was really difficult. I mean, my first few events, I was always viewed as like a plus one or a groupie, so not even a role like a photographer. Like I was literally there as someone's guest. I like to stand out. Like, I didn't want to fit in with the guys. I wanted to use what I had to my advantage. So it's about my body of work. And so I do this thing where um, when we're at events and we're all doing these social media takeovers for whatever it might be, I always do my own thing. I don't look at what any other channels are posting. I don't look at what their Instagram stories looks like. I always just focus on me. That was a process. The, The first two years I was doing 
uh, finish line social media, I was just finish line. I never got on my personal handle ever. Like I was just finish line and I had to kind of find myself again. And on the work front, my former boss and my forever mentor, Brando, Brandon Edler, he's been incredible. He is the one that really helped empower the hell out of me. He's always believed in me. And then as a coach, he was just telling me like, you know, your shit, like, why are you doubting yourself? blow them away with what you know. I read this thing about stepping into your power and it was about protecting your energy, saying no, being aware of limits and seeking emotional clearing. So for me, that was identifying what caused anxiety, what made me feel smaller in that crowd of guys and um, how to minimize those effects and kind of get rid of that toxicity in my mind. I've also had many ambassadors at Finish Line and elsewhere. And I think there's a misperception around feminism and International Women's Day in that it's the uplifting of females only. There's no room for men here. And that's not the case at all. It's about the equality of sexes. And what you needed in that time was this empowerment from a male you respected who is well respected in the industry. So mm-hmm. I think all of those guys out there who are ambassadors, thank you, because I've learned many valuable lessons as with your example. Judge me by my body of work and not my body. So can you kind of talk about why you believe in that and how you came up with that? You know me, I don't dress like, you know, crop tops and like booty shorts. Like I, I understand this is a corporate, if I want to wear a sports bra versus a real bra, like that is my business. If I want to be comfy at work, cause I'm going to be sitting at a computer going to meetings every day. Like that's, that's my thing. Like that's what I want to do. And whether it's because I'm a woman or the way I'm dressed or the way I carry myself that I don't wear a, a blouse and I don't own slacks and I love wearing my athleisure athletic wear because it's what we sell come to my page even and say, hey, where did you get that? And it's with so much pride that I say, with Finish Line, at Finish Line, like that's that's the brand. Like I live, eat, breathe that. It's my Bible. And so I don't really love it when people want to criticize what I'm wearing when clearly we're killing it. And we're lucky that we definitely work in a place that allows us to express ourselves through how we dress. I had an internship in college where I had to wear slacks and a blazer every day. And it was awful. It was so restricting. You are worried about your clothes and worried about you instead of worrying about the project or the presentation you're about to give. So I've just seen you come into this unapologetically way of dressing and it's so badass and it's you and you're comfortable and you're happy and you're confident and that totally bleeds into projects. And I don't even want to talk too much about myself, but when I went through my, my weight loss, Like losing 60 pounds, you really find yourself and what you're made of. It just basically fueled my passion for work because now I look how I want to look and I I see myself how I want to see myself. And as a boss, like that makes me feel more confident in me, my people, I can lead better. I don't know. You're right. It does bleed into every single area of your life. Is there anything else that I did not bring up or that you um, didn't get to share that you would like to share? Um, I think one big thing that's really helped me in my career is how I come about apologizing. I wanted to share this quote, apologizing when we have done something wrong is a real strength, but compulsive apologizing presents as a weakness at work and in personal relationships. And if there's one thing I don't ever wanna do, I don't wanna ever be viewed as weak, and especially in the workplace. Like you said, male-dominated industry, like I've gotta come in there looking like I know what's up. I don't have time to be apologizing because I need to get first for that picture. I want that front and center view. Like for interviews, I'm gonna box my way out there like I am the tallest center in the NBA. Like. I don't care. I'm not going to apologize for being in the way and for creating my own space. So um, a couple things with that awareness, knowing that you want to change, 
um, attention to each time you apologize too much. Like, how are you identifying that? For me, it's accountability. And honestly, I don't know what I would be doing without my boyfriend right now, but he does such a great job of reminding me, like, you don't need to apologize. There is absolutely nothing to apologize for. You know, we say, um, as a filler, but sorry was kind of another filler in the office place, um, saying, excuse me, or after you, in emails, when someone catches an error, just say, thanks for bringing it to my attention. Thanks for catching that. I appreciate it. Don't apologize. We're all humans. Those mistakes happen. Try not to dwell on it and just be a better person. My next guest and I talk about how she learned to master owning her time and carving out enough of it to balance career and family while training to successfully climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Barb Riesinger is nothing short of a badass. Her story illustrates life is much more than 40 hours a week and why it's important that you find a life outside of your career as well. Hi, I am Barb Riesinger. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go Steelers. I grew up playing sports in high school, volleyball, track, soccer. After um, high school, went to Elizabethtown College, played Division Three soccer and volleyball there. After uh, graduating college, I started with Finish Line in the management training program as an assistant store manager. Progressed into the store manager role in Buffalo and Albany, New York, and Indianapolis, and I did that for about four years. And after being a store manager, I kind of transitioned into some roles here at the corporate office. Um, I started out in planning and allocation, kind of worked my way up to manager in the both of those, moved into supply chain. I was the manager of direct-to-consumer. After that, I was promoted to director of enterprise inventory management and vendor relations, which is my current spot, my current role. And essentially oversee all inventory transactions and inventory systems for JD Finish Line, Macy's, the stores, and the DC. I have been with Finish Line for 25 years. <laughs> Long time. Long time. <laughs> Barb was somebody who I thought of right away because in all the stories with these two, this two-part episode, I wanted everybody's story to be different. And I wanted everybody to come at it with a different angle that was something unique in them that I saw. And especially with yours, I mean, we just heard about your long history with Finish Line. You've obviously been very dedicated to this company. I'm sure overly dedicated at times (laughs) in the roles that you've played. She just went on this incredible trip. I just was so attracted to your story because I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in our professional lives that we forget there's a lot more life to live. So go ahead and tell us about it. Sure. In January, I climbed to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, Africa, all 19,341 feet of it. Um, It's the highest freestanding mountain in the world. So it was definitely the hardest physical and mental challenge I have ever done. So why was this um, a bucket list item for you? Before I did this climb, um, I don't know even if I could spell Kilimanjaro, (laughs) let alone um, put it on my bucket list. But what I realized was the summit wasn't the true goal. My heart was captured by the opportunity to fundraise Missions of Hope International in Nairobi, Kenya. 
And Missions of Hope is literally transforming lives of kids who live in the slums of Nairobi. Upwards of 19,000 kids. It's just amazing. They can receive an education. Their parents are given job training skills. They have access to medical clinics. And those families are taught a faith-based life where hope comes from, which is just totally awesome. But our team raised over $200,000 for the sports ministry, which will provide a safe place for them to play sports, like soccer, which I love. I'm curious of how you approach this and, you know, what support did you ask for or did you have when, you know, taking the time off for this trip? Yeah, you're right. It's a lot of pre-planning and I just tried to be forthcoming with everybody on what time I possibly needed and how I could balance things at home as well as, as work and everybody came through. What did your kids think when you told them you wanted to do this? They literally thought I was crazy. Dude, I'm really hoping to be a mother who can kick a soccer ball like halfway across the field with my children, let alone someone who, you have two teenagers, right? Yep. Older yep. kids. Yes. And you're a mom who is climbing to the top of the tallest mountain in Africa. They didn't know A where Mount Kilimanjaro was. They asked some questions more about safety. Um, and then, you know, my daughter's all about the bugs. So they're going to be bugs there. No, you're, I'll be fine. Um, and then they helped tell my story, which was really cool. Did you ever get it from anyone else that you told about your trip of, is your husband going with you? Why is it just you? Oh, so it's just you? Like, your husband's not going? He's going to stay home with the kids? Like, did you get any of that? I hadn't really thought about it, but... Yes. The, the question always is, is your husband going with you? No. He he is truly a sender, so he will send me on my way, support me at home. I felt like I had to explain myself. I'm also a loner vacationer, too. Um, I've been to, like, Red River Gorge in Kentucky for about four days in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. By yourself? By myself. <laughs> you know, would hike those trails and come back and chill in the hot tub by myself and very intentional about recharging and finding things that give me joy. It's always good to know that, you you know, that other person's got your back and you also find those common interests too. find the things that you like to do together. And then you find things that like to do apart. My husband loves video games and online gaming. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Climbing up Kilimanjaro, don't care who you are. It is facing fear going up that huge mountain. So tell us about kind of that part. What I had the most fear about was just the fear of the unknown. Um, The highest altitude I've ever experienced was just this past summer at 10,000 feet. And I had to essentially double that. Climbing for that many days in a row and that many miles, you know, could physically, could I actually handle it and and keep going? And and during summit night, because they get you going on your climb at midnight. You have a headlamp on, but you can only see so far to your right and your left. And I didn't really know what was past the darkness. I mean, I was a little freaked out. Like if I step wrong, am I going to just like tumble down this mountain? I have no idea. Or is there a monster out there? (laughs) Right. So you are just intently following the person in front of you. I would always look over my shoulder to see if my My two pals were behind me, um, two of the friends that we trained all summer long to make sure they were behind me. 
and they were. So, you know, you just kind of keep going. And there were points in the climb where, you know, I, I had doubt, you know, and you just dig deep within yourself. And I thought about all the people who had supported me, who had made donations, um, my husband, my kids, and you just, you find a way to keep going. I prayed myself up that mountain. I sang to myself on that mountain. But you just, you find a way and you just keep going because it's one step, next step, one step, next step. And I just didn't stop. I didn't stop till I got to the top. I think something else that taking this big trip is that it could be perceived as selfish. Did you face that at all? And then the other side of that question is, what is your advice to women who want a life bigger than 40 hours a week? Or it could be to anybody. It doesn't even have to be to just women. I imposed a lot of potential guilt on myself, thinking that I'm spending way too much time outside of my family, um, that I'm, I should be doing other things when I'm out hiking. And you start to really think, am I spending my time in the right place? Is this the right thing to do? And I kept going back to, again, kind of the common cause of what and why I was doing it. I was doing it for the kids in Nairobi, Kenya, for Missions of Hope. And that is what fueled kind of my joy in my time being spent. Advice for women or anybody to find that that time outside your 40-hour work week. Women and moms especially get so used to taking care of everybody else. My advice is to find something that brings you joy and keep the joy because you need that help to kind of fill you back up um, so that you can be your best self. You can be the best wife, friend, sister, mother, employee. Um, So doing things that bring joy and happiness so that you can give that all back to everybody who's around you. Just be intentional with your time. I try to stay away from the phrase, I don't have time. I make sure I prioritize and then I'm intentional. Like I remember when I was doing Whole30, somebody else was like, oh, I I don't have that much time to prep. And you don't think you have time? That's kind of rude to me of saying like, well, your life is easy, so you have time. No, no, no. We all have time. It's our greatest currency and it's our most valuable currency. Yeah. It's just where you want to spend it. For someone to look at you and be like, oh, I, I, don't, I could never make that time. It, that's okay. It's, how about you just say, it, that's not a priority. We need to climb freaking Mount, <laughs> Mount Kilimanjaro. But, you know, own it. Own your time. Our next guest, Alyssa Smith, and I talk about how work and life is never a balance. It is a give and take. Alyssa and I dive into her role as boss lady and mom. The next clip is a conversation with Alyssa around failing at this give and take and the journey she's been on to make it all work through doing her homework, asking for help, and discovering the power of self-awareness. We also chat about the incredible tool of listening, really slowing down to actively understand communication and how that can benefit you in the long run. So my name is Alyssa Smith, and I am a wife, a mom, fancy myself as a person who likes to do a lot for others too. 
help helping all the people person and then I have shoe flu so that's shoe flu I love it obviously has really defined me in my retail career but now people really associate it with me even my husband says are you looking at people's feet he goes oh my god now I'm looking at people's feet <laughs> So I know that this started for you at a young age, and you mm-hmm. went to a school where you had to wear a uniform, and mm-hmm. this is kind of how you found your love for shoes. So can you talk a little bit about that? The shoe that really kind of changed it all for me was actually the Nike Cortez. Um, at the time, it was just kind of a basic sneaker, but the only way to really define your style when you go to a Catholic school or private school is through shoes, because they didn't have any policy on what footwear you could wear. So literally on a weekly basis, it was about who could kind of outdo each other on shoes. And I even mixed it up. It wasn't always about sneakers. Sometimes I wore some cool flats, you know, different dress shoes. Um, But my sneaker rotation definitely was something that got a lot of attention of guys too. Not necessarily in the way that I wanted. I wanted them to like me because I thought that would get their attention, but they just struck up conversation. But it was always a good icebreaker. Yeah. So (laughs) that was the shoe that I feel like if I had to put a little icon on myself, it would be that Nike Cortez. So where did you end up going to school? What was kind of the beginning Mm -hmm. of your career? I was trying to be super practical because that's kind of like the makeup of how I am. I'm really practical. So I thought, okay, in order for me to make you know a solid life and always have a really consistent income and a job, I need to really get in the medical field. I was going to be a medical assistant and then obviously having dreams of getting further into the medical field. But then when I got into school, I started working at a shoe store to make money when I wasn't going to class. Um, and they actually offered me an internship, which was kind of ironic because the company headquarters was local um, where I was working. And so I was like, okay, this is interesting that they're offering me an internship, even though this is not what I'm going to school for. Right. So I went ahead and thought, I'll give it a try. So I actually started in the marketing department. Um, My friend, she went too, and she was in the buying department, and they offered her a job as a buying intern. I was like, oh, man, that would be great. But I was like, I'm just super happy to to be part of something. And she was like, no, this is not what I want to do. This is just not for me. And so they offered the buying internship, the the further out buying internship uh, to me, which would lead into an assistant buyer position. So that's really how things started to, I guess, snowball, if you will, into this this shoe career. Um, And so while I was going through school, I actually started switching classes. I was going to say, where did you, because that would probably be a little bit of a fearful, scary moment of, I'm on this epic, I'm on this academic track where I've invested money and scholarships or whatever it may be. But it sounds like in your free time, you enjoyed doing something else. So how did like how did that split go down and how did you overcome that hurdle? Well, I was paying for everything myself, so it was on my back. Um, and it was my responsibility. So I continued to just went to school then for two years. So associate's degree didn't flat out have the money to Keep like, going. catch up, right? I was like, I'm going to have to work some more. And, and when I worked with um, the company, they're like, you know what, we'll get you back into school. Well, then before you know it, I'm a buyer, dot, 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 here's a a couple of years later, before you know it, I don't go and pursue more education because I'm so busy traveling. I'm traveling in the market to visit my stores and competition, and I'm literally traveling to conferences and shows to work with my vendors. So um, it really escalated into a career and... Um, And it was a really small company, so I felt like I was at school every day because I literally got to learn every facet of the business, which I think is what has set me up to 
be successful and to be probably very well-rounded. I had to work with real estate, marketing, supply chain, finance, everybody. It was kind of all hands on deck. And one time that was actually really scary was it was the first time that I had to go out in the market myself to go visit stores and competition, like meet with store managers, you know, just me by myself. And so I said to the lead buyer, who was my mentor, I said, so you're coming with me. He goes, no. He goes, where are you going today? He goes, you have to have your plan. I was like, I thought he was going to lay it out for me, right? He was my mentor. He shoved me in the water, deep end, <laughs> and I was really mad at him. I didn't understand why he would want me to do that myself. But it was actually really good because I went out there and I had to, even if I didn't know exactly everything I was doing, I had to act like I did Mm -hmm. so that people wouldn't think, who in the heck is this young person not knowing what they're doing, talking to me about my store and what's selling and product, kind of getting shoved in the water like that was a positive because it's enabled me to, I would say, kind of overcome any of those types of situations. I heard this once that there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's a work-life give and take. And so from my perspective, um, Alyssa's active on social media. She has two kids and a husband, and it seems like you juggle it all. Like if there was a little tracking app on Alyssa, you'd have to refresh it every two hours and be like, where in the country is she? So yeah, can you talk a little bit about that challenge? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, this is not my finest moment in terms of working through this work in life and I think a lot of it is because I am super passionate about what I'm doing from a career standpoint for me it's it's not a job um I I don't get up every day and think this is my job I got to go hammer the nails into the wood and I'm going to sweat it out you know and I'm going to clock out so I'm always on kind of to your point uh if you would kind of refresh me. I'm also kind of all over the place. Like I listen to ESPN on the way into works in the morning, but I'll also see who dropped their latest album because of my responsibilities of having women's and kids footwear. I have to know what's happening from a basketball and sport for my kids business. And then from a women's perspective, I have to know what's happening from a fashion and music and culture standpoint. So I'll watch New York Fashion Week, and I'll watch the Grammys, and then I will watch Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. (laughs) So sometimes I think I get pegged for being such a studier, you know, and it's like, well, you study a lot. It's like, I'm not just studying it. I really do love it, but I do think it's important that I understand our consumer and what they're, uh, they're into. But as far as managing all of it, I fail a lot because I do disappoint my family because I am probably too entrenched sometimes and I try to pass it off as yeah but it's ESPN or yeah it's the kids choice awards they're like yeah you're doing it for work though what I have tried to do a better job of when I'm home and we have committed to doing something as a family that I literally put my phone in another room I'm not checking the email and they check me on it too they're like you just checked email The best way that I found to try to get through that is you also have to tell the people that you work with, you're like, hey, on Saturday night, my family and I have an event and I'm not going to be accessible. And so I literally have had to be better at delegating too. We have a Jordan footwear release almost every weekend. And so we're always on. We're tracking the sales. We're seeing what's happening. We're checking to see what competition is doing. And we take actions against that to drive sales and to make sure that we're also communicating back with Brand Jordan. So there's a lot going on. And so I can easily get distracted. But I have found that I need to delegate more. And I would say that that's the biggest thing. you got to ask for help. 
And I've always been afraid to ask for help because I felt like that was a sign of weakness. What I found is it shows that you can have confidence in other people around you to take on some of that load if you ask them. I wish I would have recognized this a long time ago. I could have been a better parent. I've not always been present, and I admit that, but I can't be afraid to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness. Piece of advice that I'd like to share the company I worked for before I came to Finish Line, I've been at Finish Line for almost 15 years. It'll be 15 years this fall. Been in this role as VP over women's and kids for six years now. Um, I was a buyer at this other company, and it was so small, I literally reported to the president and prior to him, the owner. And I was a great listener. I was like this little sponge. And so the one thing that the owner told me, he goes, Alyssa, you're a great listener. He goes, don't ever stop listening. He goes, that is what's going to get you far. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I got it. And what I've noticed over time is that the more knowledge you have and the more experience, you think you don't have to listen as much. And it's not true. So I think sometimes people watch people in a room and if they're not talking, they think that they don't have anything to say or they don't bring any value, but it's because they're digesting and soaking it all in and listening so they can understand and be really good when they walk out of that room, right? Or with, even if it's a conversation with a person. The other thing is that it helps you in your personal life. If people don't feel like you're listening to them, then they don't want to be part of that relationship, a friendship, a marriage, whatever. And so listening is different than hearing. Letting those words flow in your ear, go through your brain. A lot of times people listen to respond and mm-hmm. not really to listen. Right. They've already made up their mind. They've totally already made up their mind. And so so listening is huge. And then self-awareness. And I think that just goes hand in hand with listening, right? If somebody's yes, telling definitely. you something about yourself or about a situation, you know, you need to be self-aware. And I think that's something that you have to carry with you at home too. Be self-aware in, in your own home. And if I can be self-aware of how my behavior or lack of presence is affecting my family, then I can better respond to what they're saying to me. I have to shut this laptop when I'm home with him. I have to put the phone over on the table and I have to be present. I thought that it was acceptable because everyone knows that I'm, you know, hardworking mom and it's okay, but it's not okay. So self-awareness is huge. I think that's so true. And you can always learn, like you said. You don't have Mm. to be the perfect mom from the start, perfect career woman from the start. You can always learn. Kamika has spent much of her life as the standout in ways she has wanted due to her intelligence. And in some ways, she has not so much wanted to stand out, such as being a female in a particularly male-dominated part of the IT world. Between growing up in New Mexico, moving across the country, and learning a thing or two through her successful career, it comes down to one factor for Kamika, always being herself. She shares with us how to navigate a successful career and making boss moves when you need to, but also remaining true to you and not hiding who you truly are in and out of work. I am Kamika Barnes. Uh, I work here at the finish line the director of infrastructure. I have two daughters, 
and a husband and you know i grew up in uh, new mexico oh you did i did uh, not know silver that. city new mexico um my, both my parents went to college at silver city university uh, my father was a basketball coach so i kind of got uh, that experience uh and then i moved here right about the age of 10 and start going to school here in indianapolis uh graduated from arsenal tech high school went on to iu um Became a science teacher. Whoa, really? Really. <laughs> what was um, your degree in education? Yeah. Okay. Did that and realized that that was not going to work for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, actually ended up here. Got into telecom. Did that for a while. Ended up at Interactive Intelligence. Did that for a long while. Uh, got a lot of experience consulting, uh, which really you know, catapulted my career because I was exposed to everything. You know, it it forced me to not just learn the software piece of my job, but hardware, software, project management, relationships, politics, different companies, (laughs) you're a new person all the time. And yeah, then ended up back back here um, after I had my first uh, child because I needed to be somewhere where I wasn't drop shipped to multiple states in any given week. So how long have you been at Finish Line? Um, I have been at Finish Line about nine years okay, uh, this wow. time. Is 2020 your 10th? Uh, yeah. Kamika is another amazing leader within our company. She was also in the first round of the Women's Leadership Academy that I'm now in the second round of. So definitely someone that a lot of people in, in this office look up to. I remember hearing a story one time um, about you were in a meeting and were mistaken for maybe somebody who wasn't supposed to be there. So can you talk about that? Well, believe it or not, that happens a lot. You know, I'm in IT and I'm not just in IT. I'm in like the male dominated part of it. I'm not supposed to like hardware. I'm, you know, maybe I code, but you know, I shouldn't care about those things. So oftentimes when I walk into a room, I, I stand out. <laughs> um, but in that one particular story that you're talking about, it was a sales guy. Um, it was me and a couple of my engineers. In his defense, I mean, he wouldn't know who was in charge. And in his defense, it, he, he's been a sales guy. You know, history has shown him probably that guy, right? Is the or, one in or, charge. Or one of these guys. You mind getting me some coffee? You and know, that's what he asked you. Yeah, right? yeah. And I was like, I, I actually paused. I really do try to be kind to people. That is, that is just in general a rule of mine. Um, and before I could respond to him, one of my engineers was like, "Well, looks like this meeting's over because she was going to make the decision to whether we were going to go with you or not." And you just assumed she would get you coffee, which, you know, in, in general, you could just go get your own coffee or, you know, and he's like, oh, no, you know, I didn't. And, and he was clearly embarrassed. And, you know, again, we have unconscious biases. And at, at all times, just based on survival, your brain is always calculating how to filter, how things. to filter and what to do with things and, you know, what box these things fit in. And, you know. He's been to however many companies. There's no way I'm the person that gets to make the decision on whether we're buying this product or not. Really grateful to have male allies. I didn't even have to say anything. If if that's the place which you're coming from, like, you know, that's, you know, just not good. So this was the story that definitely stood out for me when I was thinking of um, empowered women around the office. Because I think there's two key points that people could take away from that I want to ask you about. So the first being... 
this has happened to you more than once where you felt like the odd woman out of the room, or we'll just say odd human out of the room. Yeah. How have you learned to stand up for yourself and kind of establish your position in a respectful way? You know, I grew up in New Mexico, so I've always kind of been the odd person out. Like, you know, it's, I call my family like the Rainbow Coalition. There's just, we're, everyone is always all around. So I have the unique skill of being able to make everyone feel comfortable because I can check every box in my family. <laughs> so, you know, when I'm relating to to the sales guy, that's one of my uncles. I know that uncle, he, you know. <laughs> so I can, again, come from a place of kindness. And so what I tend to do is, you know, reach out and try to make them comfortable. Yeah, you're not used to me being here, but I do know the technology. <laughs> you know, we can have an intelligent conversation. And just because I appear to be other is is not really the case. We have more in common than, than we do differently. And in general, that has been very successful for me. Like, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. I don't have a lot of stories where just being kind or being open to a conversation hasn't helped. And when, and, and when it happens enough, it becomes not normal, but it's less unexpected. It's less hurtful. It's, you know, it's less dramatic. And I'm sure in this response, this is not something you've been doing since day one. It's something that you've learned and try to... There's two sides of making everyone in the room comfortable, but also not sacrificing my respect and my right to be here. So it sounds like over the years, and you've had a long, successful career, that you've figured this out. Oh, yeah. So, you know, just to be clear, the reason why it came to this is because I've, I've tried anger. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. I've, I've tried to shrink away. You know, I've tried to, you know, just be the fly on the wall. Well, that's not who I am. A few decades ago that, you know, Kamika has to be Kamika. Any variation of me not being who I am uh, isn't good for me. And if it's not good for me, it's not good for the people around me. Because at the end of the day, I mean well. We were joking earlier, but if I'm going to, you know, a conference, and I know it's an all-male conference... I will consciously not wear a dress because it just puts people in an awkward position. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't have to, you know, curtail my wardrobe according to that. But, and I mean, again, also, I don't like to wear dresses all the time. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if, if a power dress is your superhero outfit, wear it. Yes. You know, but, <laughs> but for me, if I wear a suit, I'm, I'm blending in a little bit more. It's kind of strategically making those compromises without losing yourself. Whoever you are. You will never be successful if you're not whoever you are. Like, when you live your truth, then, you know, the universe aligns, God aligns, and you're doing what you're meant to do. Yeah. And we're, I think, in a good work environment that allows us to be ourselves. It's so helpful because it really bleeds over everywhere. Yeah, and I mean, to that point, like, if you go and you interview at a, at a company and you can't be yourself, do you want to work at that company? For you, 40 you, hours a week? Do you want <laughs> to work at the company that hired the imposter? You? Mm -hmm. The other half of your story plays into this theory around ambassadors. And you mentioned that you had someone stand up for you. How have you strengthened and strategically sought out those relationships that, again, are built on equal respect, but also standing your ground? And I, I mean, again, I go back to the simple point that we're all humans, you know, humans being. If I am doing my work and, and doing it well, talent recognizes talent and usually can't be denied if 
you're putting in the work and you and you're proving yourself. You know, it has been some of my male ambassadors who have grown me to this point because they've been the ones to come and tap me on my shoulder and say, "Hey, you're really great about this. What about this?" Because I I tend to find as a woman, I just you know I want to get this one thing and I want to be like perfect at it. So back to the question, the biggest part is you know opportunity is you know like being prepared and yes um, uh, what's the other thing it's opportunity or it's or luck is what happens when opportunity, opportunity meets preparation, preparation. yes yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes we got it it's that i honestly don't believe it was like a guy saying hey i want to help a woman i just think it was hey teammate to teammate hey teammate yeah. to me teammate you know you're killing this i want to help you i've also had some ambassadors one of my closer friends here at finish line says that I want to be the next CFO. Yeah. And so I heard that and heard him say it out loud. And I'm like, why am I not saying stuff like that? And it was before my promotion this past year. And I just, we think like, Oh, well, those are our little dreams and it's competitive because I'm not the only one on this team. But I was like, look at him. And you know what, when he's saying that out loud, somebody else in the room is like, Hey, if if you're curious in that, like I've got something to mentor you on, you know? So I've really learned that lesson of say your goals out loud and just stand by them. And they might be like up here or lofty, but F it. Like yeah, say no. them out loud. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you believe it, like other people might be like, wait, I'm going to pull you into this meeting actually. Cause you might be curious about this. Otherwise they would never know. So that's one of the greatest lessons I've learned from a ambassador of mine. If you can't verbalize a dream out loud, it'll, it'll never materialize. Um, well, is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to share or put into the universe? Just my theme of being a kind and not being a pushover, not letting people, but just not the same thing. Yeah, not the same thing because I, you know, they're like, oh, woman, Sam, be nice. I'm not saying that. I'm saying be kind. Um, come from a place of love when, in all things that you do. Uh, I can give a lot of examples of just me being kind in a situation, growing into something more in my life later. You know, use your emotions or whatever you have. Use all of you because those things are your superpower. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Facing Fear podcast. I'd love to know what you think. So please leave a review on Apple's podcast app, or you can go to the Facing Fear with Sarah Facebook and leave a review there as well. If you or someone you know has a story of overcoming fear to pursue their own definition of success, please submit yourself or that person as a guest. You can do that at facingfearwithsarah.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the social media world. You can find the show everywhere at Facing Fear with Sarah or communicate directly by emailing hello at facingfearwithsarah.com. You made it to the end of the episode, so I'm going to give you a little surprise. I was recently published in the Wildfire Magazine. It is the first and only publication for and by those who are too young to be affected by breast cancer. And you can go get this issue at a discount. So visit wildfirecommunity.org and use code wildfire15 or even better, use the link in my social media, in the show notes today. And if you use that particular link and the code, you can not only save yourself money, but you can also earn me a little bit of money as I get a kickback from every purchase used under Sarah's link. So go check it out in the show notes. The issue is themed the new normal and This is relatable for anybody who's been through some kind of storm in life and is trying to figure out who they are and who 
and what and how and why life goes on afterwards. So check it out. Go visit wildfirecommunity.org. Use code wildfire15 to save on your version of a print or digital copy of the latest issue called The New Normal. Thank you so, so much for your support.